0: Of the Lord this morning shall we we just finished up a series in these past number of weeks and so I felt the Lord impelling compelling me to speak on uh, believe it or not of all things finance and stewardship so that's what I'm speaking on this morning and I want to speak on biblical prosperity how many of you have heard that term before heard of the prosperity gospel there's a lot of teaching out there on prosperity and uh, I want to set the record straight as to what biblical prosperity is and so let's bow our heads and ask the Lord to help us father would you instruct us and teach us on how to prosper and grow in you according to scripture and according to the depth of your Holy Spirit we ask for this knowledge now in Jesus name amen As Americans and as Western believers, we're under a cultural curse, I really believe this, to serve wealth. It's ingrained in us. You've been taught under the system that we've been growing up in that wealth means money and the more you have, the better you are. And that's actually a curse. It's a lie. It's not true. Biblical prosperity is not based on economic wealth, but kingdom wealth. There's a huge difference. Our lives must prosper in what God gives us for blessing, and that's a different dynamic than the American dream. Biblical prosperity, I hope we will discover and learn, is really understanding what biblical wealth is all about. We put it on our money didn't we? And we put it on our coins. In God we trust so that our finance would be directed by God and that we would serve God and not money. But I think for most of us that is a real question mark. Who is it that we trust in? Do you go to God first? How many of you know that many of us, I understand we live in an economy and we need the finance of that economy to to work with doctors for our health and work with food products for our eating, and, and work with mortgages for our houses. You know, money makes the world go round. I get it. But what happens in the pursuit of that is so often we trust money more than we do God. And many times our prayers are directed towards finance than for God to answer the solution. We give God the opinion that we need the finance to fix this thing What if God says it's not finance that'll fix it, but it's me that'll fix it? We've really got to watch what we're trusting in. And in our culture and in the American way of life, we have all been pressured into this concept of prosperity and wealth. We've even sanctified it in the church, and we've even got denominations and pastors that are prosperity preachers, that that bilk people for more money, and, and three jets are not enough for them. They need a bigger jet so they don't have to refuel on their way around town. Give me a break. It's sad because and yet, we know that, that God made Abraham wealthy. We know he made Isaac and Jacob have many goods and all that. But it wasn't unto something. It was because they were in covenant with God, and he could trust them with it. That's the real issue. So we've got to be careful. Jesus said this in Luke sixteen thirteen. He said, No servant can serve two masters, Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You can't serve God and money. We can't serve them. Money cannot be our master. Money must serve the kingdom. There's an order here. Money is simply a tool. For people, it's a magnifier. Many times, money is just a magnifying glass that will magnify your character. And so there are a lot of people, listen, if the concept was that the, the, the closer to God you are, the more wealthy you'll be and the more prosperous, well, then, you know, the mafia is, is, is sanctified or something. I, I doesn't make sense, you know, and, and we, we give money to get money. In, in our American churches. You know, if, if you sow, you'll reap this. You'll get a hundredfold, and we translate everything into money. Then how many of you know that God's riches are more valuable than money? And so God's response to our sowing into the kingdom is to bless us with things that are greater than money. But again, in this system, we've got gotten caught in the concept that money is the greater value and it is not so what i want to share with you is what true biblical prosperity is if you will turn with me to third john chapter 1 verse 2 that's the epistles in the back of uh, the, your bible from john short little letters right before the book of revelation and it would be third john tiny tiny little letter in the second verse and he says this beloved I pray that all may go well with you I can still hear pages turning I'll wait a minute this is a blessing that John is saying over the believers he says I pray that all goes well with you I wish you all things well then he says that you may be in good health as it goes with your soul now that's the esv Uh, many other translations use the word prosper and i'm going to use that beloved i wish above all things that you may prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers and so we need to understand what is true prosperity because it is a blessing to be prosperous in fact god is the god of the living god is a living god And everything he creates, he wants it to grow and to flourish. That's what life does. And so prosperity is life growing and flourishing, right? When you were little, you were to grow to full stature and be in health, even as your soul prospers. So true prosperity is that you are growing in your journey. You are maturing but the maturity isn't just in stocks and bonds. It's the maturity of your intellect, emotions, your will, your physical health, your well-being, your stature and community and society and with others and friends. So prosperity is that you are growing and becoming fruitful. And Jesus said that you would bear fruit and that fruit would endure or would last. That's the biblical concept of prosperity. Prosperity. So our goal here, brothers and sisters, is not to become rich in the economy of this world, but to be rich and healthy in the economy of the kingdom, which is so much broader than simply finance. Look at I could put you in another part of the country, and, and you would be on the poverty scale. My wife was telling me just yesterday that she was reading an article, and if you make less than six figures in California, you are in poverty. Well, I guess we're in trouble. Do <laughs> You see, I mean, it adjusts to every economy around the world. It's, and, and, and people who have money, you've been hearing of one suicide after another suicide or another drug addict after another, where finance is not the answer. I wish we would get that through our head. There's a lot of rich people who are absolutely miserable. But we're going to play that lottery one more time because if we get it rich... If we strike it, right, and like I said earlier, all it will do is magnify your character. If you can't handle the small money you have now, you get more of it. It'll only magnify your problem in a greater way. Right? And so I want you to see the the five-fold dynamic of what it means to prosper. It means to have a good journey and to grow in wellness, and so there's a fivefold dynamic that's uh, kingdom oriented, and, and the first is this: that of salvation would be the first dynamic of prospering. If if you don't have salvation, then uh, you've lost your soul. What, as Jesus said, what gain is it to? to gain the whole world and all the wealth and to lose your soul i mean we're only here for a short amount of time it's it's just a brief period of time and then we enter into eternity all the tables will be turned everything you're doing now for the kingdom of god is storing up treasures in heaven and these are the things we do for each other and unto the glory of god and that is what prospers us and so salvation is key and that is righteousness now i'll explain each of these as we go along peace in your life order shalom that is absolutely necessary health and well-being if you don't have your health you're going to be spending all your money on that relationships this is the richness that jesus spoke about He said the world even understands how to use finance for the purpose of relationship. And then last of all, income. We all need it. So let's consider each one of these. And what they are is a kingdom dynamic of biblical prosperity where the first is salvation, which speaks of righteousness. Righteousness is right relationship or right standing with God. This is the essential foundation of prosperity. If you don't have this, you don't know the meaning of life, you don't know the fullness of life, and money can't buy you love. And all money can do is get, you can pay money for the the high and the drugs that you want, you can pay money for the sex, you can pay money for people and friends, but we know what happened to the prodigal when he tried all that, don't we? He had to get back home to a right relationship with father. And so this is the first thing. So, so as some of you are struggling with the concept of poverty and a spirit of poverty, and, and, and you're struggling with the sense of, am I wealthy? Do I have enough? Uh, let's start with this. Are you saved? Is there anybody saved here this morning? Does anybody know the Lord Jesus Christ and has a right relationship with Him? Okay, good. Now we've got a biblical foundation to prosper, don't we? I love the verse, I use it all the time, that no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ Jesus to the amen of the church. I mean, we've got every promise of God. You can't get any better than that. Right? According to His riches in glory. And His riches far exceed the economic wealth of our particular culture. He's got so much to give you. Love. Joy. Peace, gentleness, meekness, faithfulness, goodness, self-control. Man, I would rather have that than ten bucks in my pocket. Okay, a thousand bucks. Ten thousand dollars in my pocket. How valued is your relationship with the Lord and how quickly we forget about that. Yeah, I'm saved, but I could use the ten thousand dollars too. Every now and then we, we daydream. Okay, what would you do with 10000 We We talk about what we do. Well, we'd pay off this bill and that bill, and then we'd pay this and that. But you know what? Whether we have it or we don't have it, what we do have is the security of heaven and an eternal life. Second point is biblical prosperity is peace. The concept of shalom, the Hebrew concept of shalom is a life that is in order. And the life that's in order is that God is in the center of our life. And everything in our life revolves around honoring Him. And I now have peace. Romans 5.1 says, Since we've been justified, we now have peace with the Father. Father God is at peace with me. He legally declared me justified. All sins cleansed, we have a peace relationship. And so now He treats me as His favored son. And I may ask of the Lord what I need, and He will give me what I need, and He will withhold from me what I do not need, thank God. Though I could keep begging for it like a little kid in a toy store. You don't need that but I thank God I've got shalom, I've got peace, I've got order in my life. Now there are bills I need to pay and there might be bill collectors calling you on the phone and you might not have. You may be in trouble for your house, but overall you've got peace with God and that is more valuable than the wealth you have. I know some folks that don't have a home. They're homeless, but they have peace with God and they're going to work out that homeless thing as they move along. You, you'd be surprised at what you can make into a home Paul said, I know what it's like. I have found the secret to contentment. I've been rich and I've been based. I've had plenty and I've been in want. I've been healthy and I've been hurting. But I know that in all things, through Christ, I can do all things. He strengthens me to do it. That's peace. That's shalom, right? Do you have that peace? Money can't buy that peace. So don't think that the extra ten thousand you need would bring you the peace in your marriage. If you can't work out your marriage problems, money's not going to fix it. It's with God. So we need our our basis in salvation. Secondly, it's peace with God and a regular relationship with Him. Thirdly, it's what health and well-being. I remember spending uh, time in Russia. I was I was in. St. Petersburg. Uh, It was Leningrad before it got changed back to St. Petersburg. This was back before the wall came down, and I was uh, ministering there with people, and we were in a a bombed-out church because the communists had taken all the churches and used them for warehouses, but now churches were being restored and and I was standing in a gutted out church everything was whitewashed all the icons and everything and as we're standing there there was just a little table with a prayer basket and the believers had no money to refurnish this church but they would come and meet and pray and I asked him I said what's the number one prayer request in that box and I'm I'm thinking was it to get more money to you know get your church back in order he said no the number one prayer request we have in this box is our health, that we would have our health. People are constantly praying for health and well-being. You know, without your health, everything else becomes more difficult, doesn't it? And isn't it interesting that all the years that you're working and all the years you're putting away your money for, for the great retirement time, you're going to spend all of it on your health, the last three months of, uh, for doctors and, and so forth. I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. So we pray. God, pray for health. Pray for each other. That's what we need to pray for. And isn't it interesting that we put more uh, uh, confidence in the doctors and in the healthcare system and in our pharmaceuticals than we do to God for our health? We've been deceived. We've been tricked. And so, folks, true prosperity is, is to pray for health and well-being, peace with God, and salvation. You know, you have these things, and, and whether you're dining at McDonald's or you're dining at Ruth Christ's Steakhouse, you're all right with it. Because if you have this other stuff, a cheeseburger sounds fine to me, I guess that wouldn't be healthy, though, would it? (laughs) Here's another thing that we so often forget about as far as biblical prosperity, and that is relationships. This far exceeds how much money you have. There are a lot of lonely people who have a lot of money. But relationship with family, relationship with friends, relationship with with the church body, the body of Christ. If you'll read this New Testament, all of what Paul and Peter write is how to get along with each other. How to build faith in a community of people who will pray for each other's health, who will pray for peace in their lives, and who celebrate their salvation together. This is true prosperity. And I'm saddened by those who have to work instead of assemble. Now, sometimes your job makes you have to work and not get together, but look, at take the time to assemble with the people of God and to build your families and to build relationships. This is true prosperity. So last of all, though, of course we need income. Paul told those at Thessalonica, you don't work, you don't eat. Really simple. You still have to be productive. But come on, we are all looking for the pipe dream and the easy money oh if i could win the lottery if if i could someone would give me a gift and then all we do is we transform it into uh we sanctify it through christian thinking oh i've read the verses that if i if i give to god he'll give 30 60 100 fold back Pressed down shaking together overflowing So we turn our our cash prizes into the offering plate, and then God will bless me back. And we've got, again, whole careers of preachers who preach that. I've been saved all my life. I've been giving offerings all my life. I should have more money. I've been paying into this thing. Where's the cash, Jesus? If it's working, it should be... Well, I am blessed because of my family, because of the peace I have with God, the salvation, and my health. I am richly blessed by what God has given me. Thank you, God, that you haven't been giving me cash back, but you've been giving me you in me to extreme measures. Amen. I thank God He gives me Himself, which is more valuable than the greenback. Amen? So look, you're not going to get money back from God because you give money to the church. Oh wait, Pastor, yes you will. Listen, reread that portion of Scripture that says 30, 60, 100 fold, pressed down, shaken together, overflowing. It's not talking about money. It's talking about relationships, friendships. If you will give to relationships, they will come back to you. This makes sense. So if you're in economic hardship, you may not get cash, but your friends will come around and give you a place to stay. They'll give you some food. They'll help you out. You need a car. He'll lend you. It's it's building relationship and health and peace with God. This is true biblical prosperity. So I want to encourage you this morning. So maybe some of you don't make a great amount of income, but according to Scripture, you can prosper in God. Now, what typically happens is as these things improve and as these relationships uh, increase, you, because of your faithfulness to God in your work and in your labor, you will then increase in income many times because the favor of God is on you and your work ethic is better than most people's out there and you will then increase. This is why. Because there's a soundness in it. There's a health in it. Now, let me take you through some portions of Scripture that will back this up in biblical prosperity. In fact, you know, Jesus pointed out to his disciples, he, Jesus spoke more about money than he did about anything else. And, and, and in speaking about money, he, he talked about true prosperity, and, and he showed them the widow and uh, how she was honored by God because she didn't have much money. And in comparison, her two little mites that she gave into the offering far exceeded the richness of the Pharisaical giving. But it was more cash. The disciples were confused. They're giving a lot more money than her. It's not the money, it's the intent of the heart. This is true biblical prosperity. So let me give you some examples through the old testament tithing principles now i, I i'm not going to get into it in any depth today but i don't teach new testament as a tithe the 10% because what has happened with that is many people have worked towards the 10% and they haven't given any more past that that's not faith new testament giving is always based on faith So if you've been giving 10%, God bless you. But if you've been giving 10% and there's no faith involved in that giving anymore, you're not operating in New Testament giving. It's always by faith. If it's been 10% for the last 20 years, you need to start giving more. You just equalized your system. Faith is always a challenge. Now some of you can't give 10%, you're giving 5%, and that's taking all the faith you have to, to still give to God. Then that's faith giving the the woman with the widow might gave a hundred percent so we don't need to bother with old testament uh 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 percentages by the way because we don't live in israel we're not tithing on the land agriculturally or with livestock right and we're not supplying the temple this was a system for israel but it's a simple system 10 represents the whole and so give unto god but let's take a look at that system and understand what was built within it. First of all, this is going to help you prosper. How do we prosper? Number one, the basis behind the first fruits giving. They were to give. Israel was an agricultural society. They had crops and livestock. That's how they financed life. Okay? And so as they financed on their agriculture what they put their work into and what they receive see prosperity and wealth come from hard work people all right so it doesn't come from when we win something and when we get i'm just going to pray and pray and pray and and maybe god will give me ten thousand dollars in an envelope it'll show up at my door now god can do that but you're going to be waiting a long time. There's just, it's just very unusual. God can do unusual things. But you know what he prefers? Hard work. Sowing and reaping. There's a principle here that he wants us all to learn. What you sow, you reap. You sow more generously, you will reap more generously. This is like really simple. If I have a handful of seeds, I will get that much back in the harvest. If I have a bushel full of seeds, I'll get more. It'll take more work to plant them, but I'll get more back. Does this make sense to you? All right, so let's live under that principle. But always there was the first fruits offering that they would gather together the first fruits and give it unto God. The firstborn of the livestock belonged to God. Why? What's the principle here? Sanctifying your work and your income to God. First principle sanctify everything to God. If you're not doing that, I want to encourage you to do it. Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as you are working for the Lord and not men. That's the principle of first fruits. They didn't begrudge the, the firstborn of the flock to God because they knew if I would set aside the first portion, I'm sanctifying all that's left unto the Lord's work and i would use it wisely so what i encourage all of you to do as you're pursuing prospering and growing in relationship and health in peace and salvation and in finance i would encourage you to set aside everything in your life and give the first fruits to god the first thing you do in the morning in your time and stewardship of time is to set your mind on christ First thing you do with your finance when you get your check in is you set aside that which you've apportioned in your heart to give unto God that you've agreed with with God and you set it aside so that all the rest of it is now sanctified unto the purpose of God for your life and well-being. And so the concept of first fruits is to sanctify your work and your effort. When you go to work, pray for a good day at work. When you go to play, pray for a good day of play. Sanctify everything unto the Lord and you will prosper. The second is the storehouse principle. We talk about tithing in, and uh, people kind of harp on the 10% tithing, but what many people don't realize is that Israel gave 23 and a third percent of their finance every year. There was a 10% tithe for the festival taxes, you know, remember the men were to come to Jerusalem three times a year and so they would give 10% of their income to support that effort. There was a 10% Levitical tax that went to the Levites. The Levites didn't have land and property so everybody else tithed from their agriculture, their crops and livestock and gave 10% to the Levites. That's 20%. Then there was a 10% tithe to the poor, widows, and orphans, and that was given every three years, so that's 3.5% per year. So uh, uh, 23.5% was actually the tithe under Israel's Old Testament. That's called income tax uh, (laughs) for the Americans. So that's why I'm not going to get into a tithing debate Because again, we're to be cheerful givers. And we're to give as God instructs us. And we're to be ready to give at all times. But Paul does say, set apart a portion in your heart. And now, but to whom? And this is where the temple, the storehouse principle, Malachi 3.10 says, to store up your treasure in your storehouse. In other words, where are you getting fed? So you give your finance to your local congregation or your local church as unto God so that it can continue to minister and feed and help the people and spread the gospel. It's that simple. So you take your, your, your um, first fruits and you set it aside and you bring it into the storehouse of your congregation. Acts 2.45, it says that they began selling their property and their possessions and were sharing them all with one another as anyone had need. That's the New Testament concept. I'm not going to talk to you about Ananias and Sapphira, but God takes giving seriously. 2 Corinthians 9, 7, each one must do just as he's purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, but to give cheerfully as God loves a cheerful giver. God understands the principle of income and finance. So if someone's lacking in here, they can come to the storehouse and say, I fill out a benevolence form and say, I'm in a state a tough situation and because everybody has faithfully given we're able to help those people who are in need and we help the body of Christ and we've been able to buy a gazebo for our prayer ministry so now that we can keep that up instead of a rickety old tent we've gone through three of them this year that blew away and again so we brought into the storehouse we're able to now put up a gazebo and now we're praying every day for the community and so this makes sense but in all of this effort, we're working together relationships, health, peace, and economy. Last of all, there was the poor tithe, charitable giving, the benevolence that was every three years giving 10%. In Acts 20.35, In all things I have shown you that by working hard in this way we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus Christ, how he himself said it's more blessed to give than to receive. Acts 20.35 um, is, again, reiterating that it's better to give than receive. And so, what we have to train ourselves in, brothers and sisters, is how to be benevolent. Because if we're just holding on to everything we have and keeping everything to ourselves, we're becoming stingy while well, we can all barely scrape by with our bills. I understand that. But if you would begin to build into your economy, no matter how minimal your economy is if you would begin to build in a buck to help someone else 50 cents to help the guy on the street whatever it will begin to prosper your heart in benevolence and in care when you begin to set the things of God first in your finance it sets the rest of your house in order when you begin to become more charitable It sets everything else in order. Instead of buying two Whoppers, get your one Whopper and then give the money away for someone else. I guess I'm speaking fast food today and that's not very healthy, is it? (laughs) Buy a bag of carrots or something, I don't know. But help each other out. This is a mindset. This breaks the sense of poverty over your own life. When you become generous and you begin to give, you begin to realize I'm walking in the richness of God. God is supplying my needs. And I have seen this time and time again. You can't outgive God. But he knows that when he's got an open vessel that is beginning to give. And again, like I said, if it's 50 cents, I don't even have that. I got four cents. If it's whatever, begin to give it out. Begin to give it out. And what happens is your mindset and your heart shift. And God can trust you with more. That's the way it works. That's how all of this flows. And so this is what I want to share with you in closing. Is in your giving, these three areas, God, kingdom, and others. Set your finances first to honor God, second to minister to the kingdom, your church, your families, your your Christian brothers and sisters, and then become generous to give to others in need. Look, of course you're going to be taken. Of course there are swindlers out there. But you're not doing it to whether you're going to get it back or see what good it does. You're just doing it to honor God and to have a benevolent heart because there's no one more benevolent than Jesus Christ. And if you begin to act in his benevolence, you will know him. This is biblical prosperity. So what I'm asking you to do, you will prosper if you'll grow in those five areas. Your salvation and relationship of rightness with the Father. Stop sinning. Walk in righteousness and you'll prosper in the things of God. The peace of God will take over your life when you uh, uh, be anxious for nothing but in all things pray and peace will be established. This is prospering your life. And then you also Have relationships of family. You also have health. Take care of yourselves. Be a steward of your health and well-being. And also then your income. So how do we do this and prosper? You become a novice. You start. Start somewhere. Are you giving faithfully your first fruits to the church? Are you doing that? Are you giving a portion that you've agreed with God to be faithful to give? Start at 3%. Start at 5%. Give 10% of your income. It's going to have to adjust everything else then in your spending to make it happen, which is excellent, so now you're getting your economy right to run your home. Because you're giving first to God. All right. So if it's been 10%, then give 15%. Give 20%. Give what you agreed to God to give. Become the novice. Begin to give money to people who are in need. After that, then become a faithful giver. Become someone who's faithfully working your economy and your prosperity. I'm faithfully working. My my wife and I are faithfully working our prosperity in relationships. We're making sure we watch. We spent time with this son, this daughter. Did we spend time with this son or this daughter? We're stewarding our time of relationship. We haven't called these people in a while. Let's touch base with them. That's stewarding time stewarding things now become faithful in your stewardship of health should we eat this no we should not eat this let's steward. again this is what prospers you does this make sense to you so become faithful at it once you've become faithful at it now become attentive to it because now you've worked into a place of prosperity that God's going to call on you now it's not just getting you up to speed you're up to speed and God is now calling you to attention Help this person. Help that person. He starts laying people on your heart. You need to give $100 to this person. Why? Well, he didn't tell you, but just do it. And you begin to get attentive. And then after you move in that, you'll begin moving like God Himself moves and you will become extravagant in your prosperity. And guess what? You may not be driving a Jaguar. You're still driving that beat-up Chevy. And you may not have a big house, but you've got enough rooms to, to, to relax in and sleep in, and you have a bathroom. Hallelujah. This is all good. It may not be the financial wealth, but you're an extravagant kingdom giver of time and relationship and health and care. This is biblical prosperity. Anybody with me? Amen. So I close this morning. Our service went a little long because we spent our time to prosper you in healing prayer and in communion and in ministry. So I close with this. The worship band wants to play, but they're not going to. I close with this. I want to break the curse of poverty and consumerism off of our mentality. Do you believe we need that broken? So that we will become extravagant in the prosperity of the kingdom. So this morning, if you would like prayer for me to break off and for us collectively to break off the curse of poverty, this doesn't mean that you are in poverty, but you have a mindset of being conformed to world system of what is wealth. We're going to break that off of you. If, if you want that broken, stand up so that we can pray for you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We're going to break this mindset off. Hallelujah. For those that I'm praying for, would you just lift your hands up? This is a sign of surrender. It's a sign of here I am, Lord, minister. Lord, we pray right now in the name, the mighty name of Jesus. Father, you are benevolent. You gave everything. You gave yourself. You gave your Son. You gave your love. Jesus, you gave all that you were. You were extravagant in your giving. How dare we think that we just have to give We just have to give a little bit of cash to you. You want our everything. You want our first fruits. You want our last fruits. You want all that we are. I pray, Lord, that first of all, you would break off the poverty mentality that money is wealth. Kingdom are the true riches of heaven. The blessings of relationships and our health, the blessings of peace and salvation, our work ethic, and our finances that we gain. God, this is truly to prosper, and I release prosperity on your people today, that we would prosper in our health, we would prosper in our relationships, we would prosper in the peace and the shalom and the order of God, we would prosper in our righteousness with you, Lord, and we would prosper in our finance that we could take care of our own lives. I release that blessing of prosperity right now unto this people, that we would become, Lord, greater than novices. We would become extravagant in the prosperity and the giving of the Spirit that's been poured out into us. That we are a rich people in the Spirit, Change our mindset now, Lord God, to know how to truly walk in the prosperity of your kingdom. And for all who would receive this blessing, say amen this morning. Oh, come on, do better than that. Amen. Amen and amen. Hallelujah.